0: 50 years, that's right, 50 years. Royal Pizza, pizza, pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for 50 years. For menu and locations, visit royalpizza.ca. Download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. Royal Pizza, where the stoffer recommendation, the Mediterranean chicken. All right, we bring aboard out of uh, Toronto, James Myrtle from The Athletic. James, welcome back to the show. How you doing? I'm good, Bob. How are you? Good. Uh, what's it like working in Toronto these days where the Leafs aren't the number one story?
1: It's a bit weird, actually. I mean, it kind of reminds me of when the Jays had their runs, except that was at the peak. That was, you know, late September, early October. and Right. You know, it's a different being overshadowed covering the Leafs in the fall as opposed to now in the off season. I mean, normally the Leafs are, are dominating the storylines even at this point of the year just because everyone's looking forward to the draft and free agency and all those things. And there's really not a lot of talk about the Leafs in this city right now.
0: All right. Uh, but... There are some storylines, and you hit on a couple of them today. I know I put a tweet out last week. Just you know, hearing so much about the you know the the next Mitch Marner contract and what's he going to get? Is it going to climb as high as you know ten and a half, eleven million dollars per? By the way, what did uh, Matthews end up signing for?
1: It was eleven point six something. It was there was some change in there at the end.
0: Can you not make the suggestion that the more dynamic of the two players this year was Mitch Marner?
1: I. Yes. Um, can you not make the argument that the center and the guy who has more yes. even strength goals per game than anyone in the league since he came into the league deserves more? I mean, the the Leafs believe that that, the, that Matthews deserved more of a contract. Now, can they get the Marner camp to, to believe that? I mean, I think that's the that's the battle that's going on right now behind closed doors.
0: All right. How high do you think this gets for? What's realistic?
1: I, I can't see the Leafs going higher than 10, to be honest with you. I, I think that their line is probably going to be in the 9, 5, 10 range. I mean, it all depends on term, too. You know, I mean, maybe maybe they decide to settle on a bridge or, you know, if they go the full eight years, maybe Marner can coax it a little bit higher than 10. But, you know, if you look at the Leafs' salary structure, even if they're able to move Marlow and Zaitsev, which I, I imagine we're going to talk about next, uh, it's tight. You know, and they don't want to go in with four rookie defensemen on on the roster. You know, they don't, and and they've already got two guys making eleven million plus. So, you know, I, I think they're going to try really hard to hold the line here.
0: They're going to maybe need some help, and that's kind of what you wrote today. And is there help on the way in terms of the Marlow uh, contract? Enzyte Seven. And I got to tell you, James, I mean, I don't know why anybody. Uh, I know I, the one thing he's got is he's a right shot, but what is? Zaitsev's dimension. Like, what What does he bring, in your opinion?
1: You know what, I think if he was making, like, three million bucks a year and he could toggle between your fourth and fifth defenseman and kill some penalties, and then the problem, really, with that contract is the term on it. I mean, it's five more years. It didn't make any sense when it was signed, when it was a seven-year deal, and it makes even less sense now, given that he's had the last two years that he's had with no point production, and it's it's going to be a tough one to move. Uh, I'm not going to be surprised if the Leafs have to include some kind of an asset with that. That being said, you look around the league, and there's a lot of teams that need a right shot defenseman. Oh, there's I, I just they just need to find one or two of those teams that's desperate enough that really feels like they got to get someone in there that can play. Um, and uh, you know maybe you got to eat a bad contract coming back or something like that, but. I think that just to shake up what the Leafs blue line looks like and the fact that obviously Zaitsev said that he wants out, all of those arrows are pointing to him being gone.
0: Does it strike you like Toronto had a – let's not forget here, the team they lost to in seven games, Boston, is up 2-1 in the Stanley Cup final. You can make an argument that if Nazem Kadri doesn't get suspended in that series, the Maple Leafs might be playing right now. Like, yeah, hundred percent, yeah. Like, I mean, that would be, and I'm going to tell you right now, that's my narrative. I mean, I Toronto, and I actually thought this was. I and I know I told you this. I thought this was. I just didn't expect Cadre to get suspended for five games. Um, But I digress. I mean, why would Zaitsev want out?
1: Apparently, there's some personal reasons for it. I mean, he's taken a lot of heat too. You know, he was quoted over in the Russian press talking about how much criticism he gets in Toronto and how Don Cherry was ripping him on coach's corner and you know I, I think that's part of it but i think there's some personal reasons as well and i don't know that those will ever come to light but and the other thing too is that i mean sites have had to have known that his name has been thrown around in trade rumors for quite a long time i his contract is one from the lou lamorello regime it wasn't a kyle dubas contract and i i don't think kyle wants that contract so you know there's there's a small possibility he's back but you know, It's going to be awfully hard for them to improve the defense if they keep them.
0: All right, so who do they have on the right side, then?
1: Nobody. <laughs> almost, almost nobody. So aren't you they know? the team
0: that's actually looking for a right-shot defender?
1: 100%. Yeah, I mean, if they move Zaitsev, then they're going to have to... They have some... I mean, they could put Riley on the right side. Right. Uh, they could put Dermott on the right side. Uh, they could bring back Ron Hainsey, and he could play on the right side. But I do think that they really want to find a top pair option uh, on the right side. and Because, you know, the kids they've got aren't ready. You know, they've got some really interesting defense prospects, but this isn't going to be their year. It could be the year after or the year after that. Um, they're going to they're gonna have to get some guys. But, you know, if you can move Zaitsev and, and Marlow's contract, all of a sudden you got a lot of cap space, and that changes the conversation with teams.
0: All right. So you're, you're thinking they have to put in a sweetener for both contracts. Is that right?
1: Well, that's what other teams are saying. Yeah. I mean, that's—I mean, yeah, they probably do. And I wonder with Marlowe if you have to retain a bunch of that contract, whether it's two or three million or something like that. And even then, you're freeing up room that you can spend on your D. I mean, Marlowe, at this point, unfortunately, I mean, he just—he he kept slowing down and declining over the the two years he was in Toronto. He's basically just a, a fourth line player at this point. And. With the Leafs, the cap situation that they've got, they can't pay a fourth-line winger 6 5 especially with the youth. They've got kids like Trevor Moore and Jeremy Bracco and guys that are lighting up the AHL. They've got them come and make them under a million bucks, and they want to give them minutes. It makes no sense to keep Marlowe.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I can see, like, hypothetically, and you mentioned we're joined by James Myrtle from The Athletic, and you mentioned, you know, Arizona. I actually saw John Chaka uh, and spoke to him for quite a while at the Combine on Saturday. Uh, and no, Marlowe's name didn't get brought up. But, I, I mean, they've been a team that if you give them something, uh, you know, they took David Boland's contract from Florida and got lost in Kraus, right? Now, I think they thought Krauss was going to be a little bit more impactful than he turned out to be, uh, especially based on how good he was with the World Juniors with Canada. But uh, the Leafs have, like, extra second round th- uh, second and third round picks out there. Uh, and also, just with Marlowe, is there a bonus to waiting past – July 1st for other NHL organizations and letting Toronto just use their uh, inexhaustive uh, financial resources.
1: Well, Elliot Friedman reported that that bonus that that Marlowe's got is split in two. So some of it gets paid in July and some of it gets paid in December. So that's a weird one that I don't know if I've seen before. But, you know, it's a $3 million bonus. So I'm assuming half in July and half in December. So there would be, you know, 1.5. And there's not much base salary left on that contract. So know, so if he's going to a team like Arizona, you know I just uh, the, the the talks with l a apparently broke down they the, there was some interest in Marlow going to the Kings. The talks with l a broke down because the kings have a lot of bad contracts that they'd like to move the other way, yes, but how are the Leafs getting cap relief if they're taking a bad contract the other way? You know it's I was trying to work out a scenario where. You know, maybe Toronto takes half of what Kovalchuk's owed, and then maybe Kovalchuk at three million makes more sense to have than Marlow at six point two five, and maybe that's a—I don't know—they're going to have to get creative. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. I wonder if the, if the Leafs can move Marlow somewhere, and the agreement's in place that the team that acquires Marlow is just going to buy him out because there's not much base salary, there's not a lot of money there to pay. Um, and then Marlow can just go sign wherever he wants for whatever number he wants. But you're going to have to incentivize that team buying Marlow out. And you're going to have to, you know, I mean, maybe they take back a, I, I look at a contract like Ottawa's playing Marion Gaverick. I think he's under contract for two more years. There's still a lot of cash there. They don't want to pay that money out. And if that deal's not fully insured, maybe you can work something out there.
0: Well, that's, and, and for our listeners, is that not what happened with David Clarkson and Nathan Horton? And why the Leafs took Nathan Horton gunsrack?
1: Yeah, Columbus? because Horton wasn't Horton wasn't insured at all and right. Columbus was desperate to at least recoup something. And they thought that maybe Clarkson could play on their fourth line a little bit. That didn't work out. I mean he's he's hurt too, but yeah. you know, they were then able to move that on elsewhere. So
0: we're joined by James Myrtle. James, is it gonna come to the point where all right, if the Leafs can't move out enough money? Uh, William Nealander after July second or third again because there's a substantial bonus that kicks in July first. Can Nealander end up in play here?
1: I don't think so, just because Kyle Duba said he wasn't going to trade him, and I mean there was no time parameters put on that. But and I've had other executives say that he never should have said that. He never should have told the player he wasn't going to trade him. But I think I think that Nealander's value is probably at its lowest point right now just because the season he's coming off of and I think what you got to do is give him a full year in Toronto put him on Matthew's wing let him regain some of the chemistry he had in those first two years playing with Matthews put up some points and then you know if you feel like you're not able to fit him in with your cap situation then you make the move but you know I have a pretty good feeling that they're going to be able to move either the have or Marlow or both of them and free up the money and then they're not going to have to they're not going to have to trade a Nylander is there any way they trade Kadri after what happened. That wouldn't shock me. The only problem with that is who's going to play center for the Leafs. I mean, you know, they there's not a, whole, a bunch of guys coming at that position. They've got some good wingers coming, they got some good defensemen coming from the Marlies eventually, but the Marlies were really thin at center ice and you know, the Leafs were using Frederick Gauthier at at center on the fourth line last year and they could only trust him to play like 6 minutes a game in the playoffs and you know, you Kadri plays pretty big minutes and he's one of the better third line centers in the league and he's only making 4.5 now do you replace that yeah
0: well I mean it was a, a remarkably undisciplined act against Jake DeBrusk and one that ultimately I think swayed the series because Toronto lost in seven James but I can tell you right now Nassim Kadri can play on my team like he is a ballsy hard-nosed uh,
1: two-way player. and uh, He's a good player. Yeah. He's he's very good defensively. I mean, there's been talk here the last couple of years of where does he rank in terms of the best defensive forwards in the league, and and that's been justified. I mean, you know, people in Edmonton remember, will remember that game where he went head-to-head with Connor McDavid, and You know, I I think that the only way trading cadre makes sense is if you've got a backup plan for who your third-line center is going to be, and if you can, in the cadre trade, get some kind of a defenseman that's going to solve your problem.
0: Yeah, well, it's going to be, Toronto's going to be a fascinating team to watch moving forward. Uh, One of the things that got resolved was how quickly uh, any sort of consternation was out there about Mike Babcock. Now, that said, if Babcock doesn't get any, like, to me, the Leafs, they're, again, they're a pretty good team. I mean, they were a good team. They just ran up against the wrong team in the first round. You can maybe make that argument. Who did they lose to a year ago, by the way? Uh, Boston. <laughs> and then the year before that was, like, those are good teams. Yeah. Um, but if they don't get out of the first, that's, I, I think they're obviously a playoff team, regardless of the moves that transpire this summer. If they don't get out of the first round next year, given that they got Sheldon Keith forming up in the bullpen down in uh, with the Marlies, does this Babcock's last year?
1: it's going to really depend how the year plays out i think i mean you know i think what the front office wants to see see is 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 the coaching staff more aligned with what they're thinking i mean you know there were there were players on the roster who couldn't even get in the lineup last year i mean justin hall i don't know what he ended up playing like nine games or something like that they acquired nick patan from winnipeg and he barely played and you know mike babcock has his own ideas and you know, I think that the front office was misaligned with the coaching staff at times last year and that that hurt them when they ran into injuries and then they had these guys that had barely played all season. They had to come in. And so, you know, they're they're looking to get on the same page. But, I mean, I think you're generally on the right track of thinking in that they got to win a playoff round. And, you know, I mean, I can envision scenarios where, like, let's say they got a couple major injuries or something and they lose in their first round and maybe that's not the deciding point, but it's going to be... It's going to be a really important season and postseason for Mike Babcock next year.
0: When Mike used the phrase "they" late in the season to describe the perception of management about some of those young defense prospects, I'd find that a little bit concerning. Is there a power struggle, or do you think, James?
1: I think that there's definitely some heated disagreement at times. Yeah, I mean, and uh, you know, there there were a number of incidents that stood out. I remember they acquired Jake Muzzin, and it's. I think we were in Las Vegas on the trip then right after they got Muzzin. And one of the first things Mike Babcock said is, you know, he's not the right shot that we need, but, you know, he was what was available and, you know, we'll make the best of it or something like that. And It's like, you know, he's one of the best defensemen available on the market. The Leafs just acquired him, and the coach gives a very kind of lukewarm response to that. And, um, that you know, there were just a couple of comments like that.
0: He did a remarkable job with the Lethbridge Hurricanes. Or, sorry, the left Bridge Pronghorns. Uh, obviously, you know, Spokane, working his way up through the AHL, but a very different guy than he once was. I, I think uh, we'd both agree on that regarding Mike Babcock. So it's going to be intriguing to watch moving forward. Are we going to see it at the NHL draft, James?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Athletic has an army coming, so it's going to be uh, – I'm looking forward to hosting a lot of people in my home province there.
0: Okay. Well, uh, so uh, the Athletic's credit card is going to be available then for the Oilers broadcasters? Think you need ours. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks a lot, James. I look forward right. to seeing you in Toronto. Thanks for your time. Okay, man? Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: See you, Bob. See ya. There we go. That's James Myrtle from The Athletic out of Toronto. Uh, huge following in that market. It is 150 in Edmonton. This is Oilers Now. We'll return with this day in Oilers history. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stauffer on Oilers Radio 630. It's 152 in Edmonton. This is Oilers Now. Let's go to our 630, Chad, t- uh, Heartland Ford text line at 630, 630. With over $10 million in new and pre-owned inventory, they're one of the largest volume Ford dealers in the province of Alberta experience the difference of Heartland Ford out in Fort Saskatchewan. Farmer Mike says, Bob, do you think Milan Lucic could play defense for us? No. One word response to that. Again, you can text us at 6.30, 6.30. Flames fan Jesse says, Bob, uh, the Flames will take Marner and give the Leafs Brody and Kachuk. Think that would work? No. No chance Calgary would do that trade. Um... Another uh, text coming in saying, all this 50-year talk, Bob, about Royal Pizza as you were bringing James Myrtle on, I thought you were going to give him a shot about the last time that the Toronto Maple Leafs won the Stanley Cup. P.S. Royal Pizza is the best. From Rick in Jasper. Uh, more text. Bob, you neglected to ask James Myrtle about how he figures the Leafs can get captain at 275 and Andreas Johnson at 2.25, like he displayed in his recent athletic article. Now, that's an interesting point. I think Captain's of at least a $4 million player. And I could see, you know what? If it were me, nobody offer sheets anybody anymore. You might be able to squeeze one of those guys out of Toronto. You might. Emphasize the word might. But we haven't had an offer sheet in like six years. By the way, do you know which organization got one of the roughest offer sheets of all time? Ken Holland in Detroit. When the Carolina Hurricanes came calling on Sergei Fedorov. And there was like an $11 million bonus if the team that he was with went to the Stanley Cup final. And the Red Wings had to pay it. Because it was, a. I think the offer sheet happened in like 97. And so in a calendar year, Fedorov got $23 million, Like $11 million Per to start the contract off in another 12. All right, you were searching high and far and wide for a this day in order's history because of course the teams never played on a game. On uh, by the way, on Friday did you say happy birthday to Daryl, friend right. of mine, Daryl? Yeah. Guy named no. Daryl. It's his birthday. It was his birthday <laughs> on Friday. Uh, well, back in uh, 2018, Bob, the Oilers, uh, so just last year, the Oilers signed AHL defenseman Keegan Lowe to a two year contract. Last year, he did captain the team. He put up 20 assists in 67 regular season games, one goal and five helpers, and 10 playoff appearances. Keegan's getting married this summer. So is Dylan Simpson, and they're in each other's wedding parties. So there you go. Uh, what do we got shaking here? Coming up tonight. Game four of the Stanley Cup final from St. Louis. 6 p.m. puck drop on 6.30 Jed. Tomorrow, Stoffer and Spectre for the horses. Horse Racing Alberta reminding you they've got live racing Thursday nights, Saturdays, and Sundays at the brand new Century Mile Casino Racetrack and Casino out in Nisku. And up next, a news a weather and traffic update with Cassandra Jodoin, followed by the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News with Jayla and I. Special thanks uh, to the Oilers Organization for sliding us Dave Tippett in today's show along with John Shannon and James Myrtle. So long, everybody.
1: Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer Weekdays at noon